Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to Minisode 5 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your guide through trash cinema, your friendly neighborhood garbage can, your favorite little dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're combining Art House and Grindhouse when we cover the 2022 A24 release of X. X. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to the man who puts the wax in both his mustache and his poetic, Bennett fucking Thompson. Bennett, man, it has been a hot minute since we've done a, a mini so together. It seems that way, doesn't it? It's uh, though our bond is strong um, and we share a lot of brave wa- brain wavelengths. I cannot uh, believe it's been this long. Long overdue and a, a good way to get back into it. Hell yeah, no, perfect way to do it. But before we get into why this is the perfect way to do it, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by by emailing us at savetrashcinema at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at savetrashcinema or on Instagram at savetrashcinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's episode when your favorite dumpster boy flirted with alcohol poisoning <laughs> just to cover the 1993 film Dollman vs. Demonic Toys. No joke, my liver still hurts from that recording. Uh, we'll be continuing to release mini-sodes, crossover episodes, and interviews periodically, so keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. We have a Discord server as well and are dishing out some behind-the-scenes looks at how STC has put together sneak peeks at upcoming episodes, special family movie night events, as well as just a really cool community of trash crusaders. So come on over and join us there as well. But, you know, I think the people have heard enough housekeeping, so why don't we do a little overview of X. And now, our feature presentation. X is a 2022 release from Art House Purveyors A24. It's written and directed by none other than the one of my personal favorite directors, Ty West. Ty West is well-known and established voice in the horror genre with such films as VHS, ABCs of Death, The Innkeepers, as well as two of my absolute favorite horror films of all time, the 2009's House of the Devil and the powerhouse 2013 film The Sacrament. It's wild to think House of the Devil is 2009. It's crazy. It's such a... Man, I can watch the movie, like, weekly, and it still fills me with chills, man. Now, for this film, the story goes as such. Set in 1979, adult movie actors and a small film crew arrive at a farmhouse occupied by an elderly couple in the desolate Texas countryside to film an adult movie. As the day shifts to night, the visitors slowly realize they are not safe and are being targeted by a nearby enemy. The film stars Mia Goth from Suspiria, Cure Wellness, and Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac Volume 2, Jenna Ortega from the Scream reboot Jane the Virgin, and some Disney Channel show called Stuck in the Middle. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Ah, Brittany Snow from Pitch Perfect series, as well as the Prom Night remake. Martin Henderson from Smoke and Aces, the American adaptation of The Ring, and that really shitty sports action film to 2004, torque and last but not least grammy award winner kid motherfucking cut 
I literally yeah, don't have this, to say anything else about that. Right? You don't. And honestly, I, I'm going to show my dumbness here, but I didn't know who he was when I watched the movie. Jesus Christ. I know who, no, I know who he is. Okay. Mm. But I didn't like see him in the film and recognize him. I recognize that he had talent, but I didn't know who this guy was that I was looking at. And it's not like they play him like Kid Cudi, you know, it's, it's true. This, this cast is fantastic. And Stephen Array, he's in all the Lord of the Rings movies. He was in Deathgasm. Um, Michael Caine is in this movie a lot. Like Michael Caine has a big part in this movie. <laughs> Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Uh, now, speaking of the film, the film runs for an hour and 45 minutes and currently sports a Rotten Tomatoes score of 94%. You heard that right. You heard yes. that right. 94%. This is, this is a bombshell level film, my friends. Now, the film currently isn't streaming through any streaming platforms. However, you can purchase the film on physical or you can rent the film through a variety of platforms, including but not limited to Amazon Video, Apple TV, Vudu, and YouTube. And with that overview out of the way, I don't want to get the show on the road. X, everyone. One of the boys found this inside. What do you think is on it? See one goddamn fucked up horror picture. All right. So here we are. Just, uh, I literally just finished this movie. And this is the first time I've seen it. it. And it was pretty difficult getting my hands on because when it first came out, it was like you could purchase it. And then all of a sudden it was just gone. And I had to wait like two months before I was able to actually get a physical copy from my own collection. Oh, which that's is right. Wild. So you actually got, you got a Blu-ray, huh? Of course I did. Final. Yeah, you probably. Did. I mean, I need, dude. I would love to get the soundtrack on vinyl too. But yeah, yeah. Man, like this movie fucks both yeah. literally and metaphorically. <laughs> it it, to the word. Tell me what you tell me what you just like initial thoughts right out of the way. Like, what did you think going into X? Like, what what was your initial expectations when you started the film up? Okay, I I'm notorious for not wanting to like. I, I don't watch trailers. I sure. feel like trailers give way too much away. I want to watch like the first 10 seconds, get a general idea. I'm more looking for who, where's the production company? Who's directing? Who's in it? What's the sense before I watch a trailer that's going to give away way too much? I'm going to remember scenes and, and know to expect them. So I had very little expectations for this movie. Other than that, it was 824. So I'm already like, okay, I'm listening. Sure. But then sure. it's like, okay, Britney Snow in a horror movie. I'm like, all right, you know, like it, that is that's your star because I didn't really recognize anybody like right off the bat. I mean, obviously, Mia, like the cast really is fantastic, but you just don't see it right off the bat. So I didn't have much for expectations other than A24 and what I'm going to assume there. I literally had my socks knocked off from this one. I yeah. just could not believe, like, my initial impressions. Could not believe how good this movie was. Could not get over how well done this movie is. This movie fucks in every sense of the word, but it's just good top to bottom. There's a lot of little things that this movie does so well that you don't recognize unless you understand. Uh, there's the, obviously the, the cast is fantastic. The soundtrack fucking wallops. I mean, it is loaded. This movie had a budget. This movie had a great DP. This movie had a great cast, great writers. It knew how to add subtlety. It knew how to be meta in just the right ways. This movie encapsulates what you want horror movies to be, but we so rarely get. This had sure. all of the attention to detail that you see in so many other genres that horror gets often ignored for, and we just soak in what we can and understand that's, that's usually 
the top limit. But this movie is a prime example of what when you get everything right and you make everything important, how good a horror movie can be. And boy, does it scare the shit out of you. No, I, I absolutely cannot disagree with anything you just said. Yeah, I mean, initially for me, like just seeing Ty West's name, I'm like, okay. Like, it's Ty West. Like, Ty West is one of my favorite directors of all time. I think he is, and I think this film encapsulates it, he is the king of slow burns. And while this film, like, definitely has that, I do think it was, it's probably one of his most fast films. Like, it does the tension that builds up in the beginning. And it, it's probably about 45 minutes to an hour in before we really see blood for, like, real mm-hmm. bloodshed. Um, and then the movie is just balls to the wall from that point forward and just ramps off. So maybe maybe it's just because he is so good at building tension that it doesn't feel very slow. But like something like uh, the innkeepers, which he did, um, the sacrament or house of the devil, they're slow burns, man. They take time. They chew the yeah. scenery. They get you involved. They get you to be part of the universe. And Ty West does an incredible job of that. In this movie, it's almost like he... It's almost like this is top of his game. Yeah, like, and, he's, and he's something I talk about a lot on here is pacing. This is the type of director that we know has that sensibility to him. This is the type of film and that you can taste that it's a slasher that you usually expect it to all come up in a big crescendo through the latter half of the movie. But this movie, part of it's because the soundtrack breaks it up a lot. Part of it's the editing, uh, the switching. You've got a pretty solid group of cast that you have oh, to yeah. get to know with very little expedition exposition and you do get to know them all very well you make a lot of assumptions without them spoon feeding you who these people are and you begin to really like them that's another really good capture on what a good writer writing team director everything that brings this together is you really do start to like these characters they're flawed sure but you actually like them because you feel like you get to know them i think that's what really helps make this reveal or the, the movement yeah. forward uh, so much more fluid in the beginning is because you get a lot of that understanding. You're in that world. It's not being spoon fed to you. So you're not feeling like you really have to try. Uh, it's natural and it's mm. so, so well done. Yeah. And I, I think too, so I think the big crux here that we have to kind of explain is yes, the movie is set in 1979 Ooh. and it is also set in Texas. And the, the opening sequence of the film, you essentially get, like a group of cops are surrounded this farmhouse um, out in the middle of nowhere in Texas. And it's very reminiscent of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah. Opening a Texas Chainsaw They're not trying to hide it. No, not at all. It's very inspired. But the thing is shot on 35 millimeter. It feels, and that's the thing is like Ty West is known, like my personal favorite house of the devil from Ty West feels like the movie was pulled from the mid late, 70s early 80s like it like everything about it feels just like it came out like if you were to be like hey this movie especially if you like played it on vhs be like yes this movie came out in like 1978 and everyone be like whoa man i can't believe i never saw this this movie is the exact same way where it's got that griminess the grittiness the graininess of the film shot from the 35 millimeter and it's just it feels like you could show this movie today or you could have shown this movie in 1979 and people would not be shocked they'd just be like yeah this is just a really good fucking movie and i think that's what ty west does so well but like that's especially why like i feel like this movie is such a great movie to do for save trash cinema is because it is a modern trash cinema film like this 
is everything from um like from texas chainsaw massacre motel hell like it's got all of those like, oh, it's it, it's littered with all kinds of references too it's very meta without being very meta if that makes sense it doesn't you know, throw its meta-ness in your face there's a couple little soft nods but like the more you get into it the more you watch it you start to recognize especially after like the second viewing you start to say hey man that was actually really really sharp and i would not have caught it the first time not even sure i caught everything the second time it's very very sharp it's very crisp and well done um, but you're right. You really get thrown into the 70s Texas vibe. They're not trying to hide it. They don't sugarcoat it in any way. But it, modern movies that try to do this usually end up making it look too polished, right? That It looks too digital. It looks too clean. And using 35 mil and having all the sensibilities to use big sets and have every, the attention to detail, the cars, the soundtrack, all of it, the, the, the clothing, uh, the word choices, the televisions, you know, the gas prices for Christ's sake. It's, it's really puts you into that world. And I think that's how you get lost in it, right? That's one of the things that we look for in a movies is escapism. And you really do escape to hot in the middle of nowhere, Texas, yeah. 1979. Yeah. It's what it reminded me the most of is the town that dreaded sundown, like that Texarkana backwoods, where like everyone's kind of already on edge, even though no one should be yet. Like, and it starts pretty much off a bang. So, basic premise, like we said in the overview, is basically what you have is you have a, a film crew. Um, you've got three guys, three girls. Um, they show up to this ranch out in the middle of Texas, they're shooting a porno. And you know something's a little bit off. It's an elderly couple, and they're like renting their house for the like they're renting their guest house for the weekend. And guy immediately starts off, he gets a gun pulled on him. And you're like, okay, like, so something's off here. And everything kind of plays out a little bit. But basically, the the like what they tell you is like, don't fuck with our house. Do not come near our mm. house. Do not upset he the the old man is like, my wife is upstairs. Do not disturb her. She is old. She's senile. Do not mess with her. Like, just leave her alone or we'll have problems. And so they kind of go from there. Then you get treated to a couple, like, very cool, like, porno scenes that aren't obviously X-rated, you know, outside of just the title of the film. They're tastefully done. And sure, there is nudity, but it's not, like, gratuitous by any means. And they're, it, they're not hiding that it's a porn scene, though. Like, yeah, they, they're they they're doing some acting, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, but it's good. Again, right? you like, get what you came for, right? It's a horror movie. You kind of hope in a really good horror movie, especially slasher, you're going to see some boobies. And there's plenty of boobies. That, and there's plenty of moaning. And so, basically, we get from that point. And then once they kind of start working through that, weird shit starts to happen around the, around the property, you start getting a lot of teasers and a lot of setups for what's going to be coming later in the film. And I love how they did that. That to me, that to me is, is the good shit that you get from an older film, especially like, uh, I think one of the perfect films is like Friday the 13th or um, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you do have little setups where they're like, here's, here's an item that's, kind of not out of focus, but there's an item that the, the camera will linger on a little bit longer than something else to just give you a hint. Like you should know that this is going to come up later. And the way they do that, that here though is incredibly well done. But basically what this leads us to is just a very interesting twist that I've never seen in a movie before. And Ugh. then it just kind of goes off rails from there. 
Now, I will say that we will jump into some spoilers here in a little bit, but I kind of want to ask you, Bennett, like, at this point in the film, like, as that tension's ramping, like, what what were your thoughts going through that? Because I know that you were probably eating this shit up. I don't know where it's going to go, right? That's the other thing. I didn't watch the trailer. Uh, so I didn't know exactly where this was going to go. But come on. I mean, it, it's a bunch of rowdy youngins, pretty people making porno in... Uh, in an outhouse in, in Texas in the summer in 1979. Like, you know what you would expect to happen anyway. So by now, I'm just enjoying the ride. I've enjoyed the soundtrack, getting to know these people, the dialects, feeling that that time generation gap, you know, where he's shopping in the gas station and he's buying Wonder Bread and everything's in cans and using cash. And they're using $2 bills, of course, because, you know, they're in the porn industry and they're strippers. And yeah, like, I love the little details, right? That they show yeah. that it's $2 bills. Um, it's by now I'm, I'm so invested because I've gotten to like these people. They're really nice to yeah. this old man, you know, like they're, they're yeah. exceedingly nice. He, he has a moment where he's walking them to their cabin and he, he kind of stops because he's having a little bit trouble getting there. Um, and the guys, they, they really do want to help him. So you've built naturally, not forced, but naturally this kind of adoration for these characters, albeit they're doing some weird shit, but like it's playful and fun. And just, again, it's making you feel comfortable. It's making you relax and you're, you're watching a porn. So maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable, but it's, it's so brilliantly setting you up to feel emotion that a good movie does. And I, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I do want to point out that the film, um, the film was shot on a budget of $12 million. Yeah. This movie feels so much bigger than that. Wonder how much of that was music budget too. Oh, that's probably a lot. Cause there's a lot of really important things. There is. So there's a moment and this isn't really a spoiler. There's a moment where they're sitting on the couch. Like they're this the first night. And they're done shooting for the night and they're all kicked back. They're eating uh, like gross ass bologna sandwiches and drinking Stella Wonder from Brand. the Stella from the can. And um Kid Cuddy breaks out I his it was Lone Star. Oh no, it was Stella. It was well, at least two of the characters drinking Stella. And so Kid Cuddy breaks out the guitar and he starts playing um Landslide. Landslide. And when he starts playing it, I immediately bust out laughing because I was like. For some reason in my head, I was like, "There is he fucking playing Wonderwall? Like that is the, the <laughs> and I'm like, this expect. is not, and then I'm like, oh shit, never mind. This is apropos. This fits the time. This it, works. It and fits that's the a movie. lot. It, it fits a lot of the, the themes. The lyrics fit perfectly. And it's Britney Snow. We know she's actually singing. I'm, I'm yeah. that guy that's always looking to see if they're actually playing guitar. They oh, never no, show his is. hands. I gotta believe that they're, that he's not playing, but she's absolutely singing. So I kind of want to just, because we are going to get into spoilers here in a second. I do want to go ahead and just say, if it, if it comes across, we always ask the question when we get to this point. And I want to go ahead and nod this out. For you who haven't seen the film, uh, you, you're probably going to want to stop here in just a second. Because we're going to ask the question, does this film help save trash cinema or does it help can trash cinema? I know what I'm thinking, and the audience probably already knows already. But for you, Bennett, do you think this film helps save or can trash cinema? Save in, in the biggest way possible. In the biggest, one of the biggest statements, I've already said this is going to be in my top three for horror movies of this year. Uh, it could be top one by the time I'm done playing with it. It's such a great testament to what horror can be when it's done right, when it gets the attention that all the other genres get. 
you know, comedies and rom-coms and action adventures and driving movies. Like once you get all of the right things into an element like this with a good writer, a great director who knows how to bring tension, um, writing that brings chemistry and characters to life in meaningful ways that aren't forced down your throat with meaningless exposition, fantastic set design, fantastic, um, the, the DP, like the cinematography is absolutely brilliant. Top to bottom, this movie just slaps, man. It's everything that I want from horror movies that we don't often get. A great big budget, a great big cast, all the attention to make it right instead mm. of trying to shovel it down a pipeline just to put another movie out. This is what horror needs. Save it, save it, save it. We need more of this. I would gobble this shit up. I would give them my money if H24 continued to produce quality content like this over and over again. No, and they have money. They pretty much do, but yes, I agree with you. I'm absolutely, I absolutely do think that this helps trash cinema as a genre because I think it does trash cinema in a way that a lot of films don't. That still want to embody that. What they want to do is they want to be poke more fun at it. They want to be more of the more outrageous side of trash cinema, whereas X is the one that does the trash cinema that you don't really think about things like I spit on your grave or even something like Texas chainsaw massacre, mm-hmm. which might not really be people be like, Oh no, there's no way that can be like, yes, that is still trash cinema. X does that. It does it expertly. Well, it does it without playing it as satire or playing as parody or trying to be outrageous. Now I do love those movies. And I do think that films like um, turbo kid or, Films like Zombievers does it really well and it's exciting, but like this takes the more serious, the more um, nuanced version of trash cinema. That, There's a lot you know, of messages in this movie without being preachy. It's not yeah. really political, right? It's, it's not trying to push an agenda, but it, there's certainly a lot of messages. Again, because it's not forced, because so many of these issues aren't forced down your throat. It's, it's really subtle and really simple. Uh, but it covers a lot of ground and it does so in a meaningful way without making you feel like you've just been brainwashed into believing something you wouldn't otherwise. So for me, I say this definitely helps save trash cinema. So does Bennett, but let's explain where this movie goes from it. Great to goes to what the fuck is happening and why do I love this so much? So why don't we take some time if you don't want to have the film spoiled, then I say go ahead, go watch the movie now, come it. back in, let's it, go jump watch into it. some spoilers. Okay, so old people fucking. This whole movie is about old people fucking. Stop getting old and fucking and wanting to fuck when you're old. And not being able to fuck because your heart can't handle it and the extremes that you'll go to. And for for the people who have stayed along for this shit that are like, oh man, like, I'm not going to watch this movie. So they're like, let's stick through the spoilers. And the first thing they hear is <laughs> old people fucking. Yes. I'm gonna very go visibly old people fucking. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it right now, baby. Guess what? You get a full fucking scene of two very old people fucking. Above the bed, so, below the bed, beside the bed. Good Lord. Talking dirty, talking well, filthy porn dirty. 
filthy, which I think that's what I love about it. Right. Is so during the scene and, and kind of explain a little bit for, I guess, for the people who've seen it, you, you already know, look, this movie is all about religious allegories about this weird culture that we've built, especially during that time frame where it was like, we're on the cusp of the satanic panic. Um, hippies are bad people. You should not be having sex. You should not be doing, and you should be very religious. And that's kind of what this movie is kind of pokes fun at is like the good people are the ones who are by the, the, that day's standards are the bad people, right? The porn stars are the good people. The bad people are the ones who are like, are the Christians essentially they're, I mean, they're Christians. They have in their house, they have at all times playing like a televangelist preacher, like talking about sinners and shit. And these are the good people. And during the sex scene, it is, that's what I love about it is, is because it gets so raunchy. Like the dirty talk that they use is, <sighs> is like, it's just ripped straight from a fucking porno. And it blends that line where you start to realize like, there are no good people. Like the, the, that kind of narrative, strain of like hey there's no up there is no down everyone is a certain level of of morally ambiguous here the old people just though are just f- fucking gross which i do want to say i don't know if you know this bit but the pearl who is the old the wife the old lady who is the pretty much the killer for most of the film she's played by mia goth i know i found out Isn't today and it blew my fucking mind because i didn't think Absolutely that the wild. first time i watched it did not think that at all yeah uh, she is she's like i i was that was my one thing that they're I in a lot like, of scenes together a they lot are, yeah which is again, also just like really well done you recognize those tricks right when you know it's the same actor you see a trailer for john travolta playing a young john travolta and an old john travolta and they're in they're in the same room together and you can see the tricks the camera tricks and the digitalization this is all really natural. Um, I don't even know that there's a whole lot of digital to this movie at all. The special effects are certainly practical. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I don't know what they would have done digitally. I think uh, the only digital scene would have... I think the... Yeah, I think there's probably some visual aspects, especially in the scene. Shot. Yeah, when the when the, the old lady's in bed with Mia's like young version of Mia, the um, who's Maxine is her name in the movie. I think there's probably some digital there. There's one scene where Brittany Snow gets pushed into, and they've kind of set up this shot of an alligator in this pond. And okay. it keeps appearing. You're like, at some point, this thing is going to, is going to attack. Oh, the intro and, to the alligator is so dope. Oh my though. God. Fucking Huge incredible. drone shot pointing straight down. You can probably see about 250 feet and like you're, you're cringing, right? You see this animal coming after, after in this case, it was Mia and you're just, oh, the tension. But then it's, it's more of a, um, you know, it, you know, it's going to come later. And so Brittany snow gets pushed into the pond. She gets attacked by an alligator and it's just tearing her apart, just slinging her back and forth as the old lady stands there, just looking down at her, just not even laughing, just like observing in just one of the creepiest ways possible. Oh, She, she says one word. Yeah. She just says, bitch, bitch. <laughs> but like, I think that if there's any digital in this movie, like, that's probably it. There's probably a couple of touch-ups here and there and maybe a little bit of extra. But the thing is, you can normally tell in films when shit's yeah. digital. Like, yeah. you, we're not there yet where you, there's that line has been blended so well. But like this, like I couldn't tell. It could just be that it, it is a little grainy because of the 35 millimeter and then the added effect on top um, could help kind of hide some of that. But if could it be. did, if there is any, good God, like they need 
fucking applause. But yeah, point, point being, I couldn't tell. I did not know. I did not think. I did not think that they were trying to fool me that she was also playing the grand, the the pearl, the yeah. old woman. Did not know. Even now, even knowing it and rewatching, I'm just even more astounded. Like that's what makes this movie so much better. When you know that and you see it the second time, you're like, but how? How did they get that one past me? Also, why? And you start to realize why when you think about it and you watch it again and you say, oh my God, these parallels. And it's just deep and it makes you think and it makes you see in a way that's just not spoon fed to you. Or I'm not drawing this line either. I'm not just having to force this. And this is just what this movie nerd thinks on a podcast. No, like they want you to see the parallels between old Pearl and this young, beautiful porn star who has her whole life in front of her and these big dreams and doesn't realize how fragile that is and how much she's going to be wanting exactly that. And boy, howdy, does it make sense that they're the same person. And again, you now that you know, you see a lot of that stuff through the setup to this point, right? They're, they're shot the same way. When they first encounter each other, Pearl is up in a window and, and the young girl, I can't remember her name. I keep saying Mia because it's Mia Goth. Maxine. Maxine. She's in the window of the van that they arrived in. So they're looking at each other and looking, you're watching them look at each other. But from each perspective that you see, they're both behind and through a window. And it's, it's those little, little things when they wave to each other and they wave exactly the same way, this little awkward, you know, hi. But you don't really think that much about it until you, you know, you've, once you've seen it again and you start to realize how many of these little tidbits are in there. Um, knowing that this could that has the possibility for developing a new world for these people like it, it's pretty impressive yeah and i, I you know the, you bring that up and that's a really good point too is that it is it plays in two ways and i think the big moral of the story and they're more heavy-handed with the aspect of like of blending the the lines between what society says is good and what society says is bad and who is the good guy who is the bad guy here but I think the real moral, the real theme of the film really boils down to is that Pearl, who's the old lady, is envious of what Maxine has now, but they are the same person. Right. They're, they are the same person. And that having that where it's like as, as you're old and then you're looking back on life with regret or you're looking back on life with like this want to have what you used to have that you don't anymore because at a certain point you just lose it. And the links that Pearl goes to, to try to get that back mm-hmm. compared to the links that Maxine goes through to try to conti- like continue to have it. Mm-hmm. And like, and, it is and the awareness that everybody has good. of it. The old man is aware of his ticking clock. Yeah. Uh, quite literally that his heart's about to give out on him. If he so much as thinks about getting a boner. Um, uh, the, and the, the fact that he, the producer, the, Right. He's like, you know, you've never been 42, but I've been 23. Like he's he's talking about I've been your age and I've seen some shit and I'm not the same thing that I used to be. Like there's a lot of that in there. Again, that doesn't feel force fed. But on a second viewing, you recognize how much of this is told directly to you without telling it directly to you. That's why it's so brilliant. And that's, I think, the biggest part and the biggest reason why I'm like, you have to see this movie. You have to have see to. this movie. Have this movie to. is fucking. I have to see it twice, awesome. really. Yeah, I and I'm very excited to pop it back in and give it a second go around. This movie fucks, both, yeah. like I said before, literally. Like, literally. Before, but this movie's awesome, and I fucking loved it. Like I had such a great time. I think this is such a good movie. It's such a great example of like 
how directors, how writers, how actors are embodying and taking and pulling from the past and pulling from a genre that gets yeah. looked down upon more often than not. The reason we have this whole podcast is to highlight these movies and highlight how fun these movies can be. But these people are taking those movies and being like, they can still work today. Yeah. And well, I there's think a lot of references to those movies too. Again, yeah. in a meta way without saying, Hey, look at me. I'm just trying to say, I, I, I really like you, Stan Lee. So I'm going to put you in my movie. No, it's like the, they talk about um, Psycho and then you yeah. get a shower scene. You get some overhead shots. You definitely get the, uh, the, the ax chopping scene from the shining, right? Where the camera pans with the ax. Uh, th yeah. There's lots of little, again, unless you're a horror nerd, that movie, that scene just might feel familiar. But there's so much of that that's a nod to what's come before them that makes this genre so fucking great when it has the opportunity to be great. When it has great yeah. writing, great director photography, great director, great cast, great soundtrack, a budget. This is what can happen. And this is yeah. the reason why it can happen is because these are the movies that help pave the road. Of no problem with giving the nod to it. And you're right. This is not ext extremely new. Right. This this whole premise, you know what you're getting into. It doesn't take too long to realize you're in a slasher. But when it goes, when it turns that corner, boy, fucking howdy. Hold on. Get a vomit bag because you are going to lose at this move it's just because it's so much fun. You're going to be jumping up and down. The gore is fantastic. The the, the comedy. There's really good comedic timing in this movie. Uh, the simplicity, the filming. Uh, great night shots. You know, I, I've heard oh, some people yeah. complain about it being too dark. It's like, uh, that's the whole point. It's, it's not invisible, but there are definitely moments where you shouldn't be able to see. That's why it works. It's you yeah. never feel like you just wish somebody would turn the fucking light on oh, and you're ready to pee yourself. The night shots in this movie are fantastic. Ooh. But Bennett, like you said, I can't say it any better. The audience, if you're, you're listening, you're hearing, you stuck through the spoilers, even though you you haven't seen the movie yet. You have no fucking idea what we're old talking people about. fucking old people fucking, and you now need to go see it. And guess what? If you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here. We aren't beggars. Also, fuck Keith. Fuck Keith. Are you serious? Keith would hate this movie. Keith's a piece of shit. If you're interested in video games, guess what? You should check out our sister podcast, Spotty Games Podcast, and all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen and watch us banter about video games there as well. And hey, if, you, if you're a Twitch kind of person, guess what? We stream every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern with Spotlight Games Pod on Twitch. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Cayman, our sister podcast at Spot Games Pod on Twitter, and Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. Bennett, where can they find you? Uh, my Twitter, I again believe, and I only remember this every time yeah. I'm on your show, is uh, Bologna Cheese. Fantastic. Um, he never posts on Instagram. That's about it. No. There you go. And guess what? If you want to be part of the show, like we said before, whether it be a guest host or you have a movie recommendation, you can reach us at savetrashcinema at gmail.com or savetrashcinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office, save trash cinema. Farmer's daughter, take one.